Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, we meet Eve. Eve is passionate about the intersection of wellness and technology, and curious about using entrepreneurship as a tool for meaningful social change. Nowadays, she is working on Wellness World, a digital wellness solution that supports students in navigating wellness resources based on their unique needs and wants, and provides actionable data to institutions to optimize their existing systems. This week, Eve brings up a topic that many of us have considered at some point or another. On her journey toward deeper self-reflection, Eve discusses with me her desire to implement daily journaling into her routine. Enjoy. Thanks for listening, and I hope that Eve's change talk can in some small way inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Seek professional help if needed. Welcome, Eve, to Change Talk. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking with me. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Noah. I'm super excited to be here. Already, I have been reflecting on what it is that I want to change, and I'm excited to share and be accountable to it. I think this will make me a lot more accountable to it. That's good. You have that pre, pre-preparation, um, but we're not going to go there yet because we have no idea who you are. Um, so, so who are you? What's... Uh, how do you get to be here? Tell us about yourself, what you're up to, what's meaningful for you. So first thing you should probably know is that I am incredibly passionate about the intersection of wellness and technology. I am a mental health advocate, specifically among youth and really passionate about the intersection of wellness and technology. I have been in the campus mental health space for quite a while now. Um, I'm going into my fifth year now, but I've been involved in mental health programming and policy at the university since second year. So right now I'm actually uh, the co-founder of Wellness World. So at Wellness World, we're developing a digital wellness solution for students to be directed to resources and services based on their unique needs and wants. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, we provide actionable data to institutions to optimize their systems. So it's really this kind of one-stop shop for students to manage their wellness and engage in the campus community. So that's what I'm working on now. I'm launching the first pilot with my co-founder, Liv Han, in about two weeks. So we're kind of freaking out. We're very, very deep in product development. Um, And that's been a, I would say that's been definitely a culmination of the past few years of experience in mental health programming and policy at the university. I've also done some research in youth and family engagement at the Youth Wellness Hubs Ontario. And I've worked at a couple mental health startups, uh, one for progress measurement in Toronto and one in digital brain health in Singapore. And I've just been really passionate about using entrepreneurship as a tool for meaningful social change. So that's specifically right now, even as the co-founder of Wellness World, 
making that change in campus mental health spaces through Wellness World. Amazing. I mean, my first reaction is I want to understand how it works. So I, I'm a student. I'm not a student anymore. I have been a student for like 10 years, but I'm not a student anymore. But let's say we were talking last year and I was a student. So what would I do and how would it help me? Imagine you the same way that you have your academic portal and you have your finance and enrollment portal. Wellness World is that third portal for you to turn to for all your social and wellness needs. And so you would log in with your, whatever university you go to that email and create a password, you land. And we have sort of three pillars. There's my community, my mental health, and my physical health. And so already these days we're getting so lost in like the Facebook invites and the all everything that's happening at the university. So there's, you know, you're landed first, you land first at the centralized calendar and you can send it to a friend, you can save it to your own favorites, see what kind of wellness activities are happening both online um, and on campus or even in the community. Uh, under my mental health, we have a few features that help you find the resources and services that are best for you. And so that starts even from an assessment tool that we've created. So based on how you answer certain screening questions, we will present you with the three optimal resources and services based on how you answer, whether like, you know, needs, wants, identities. Mm. And so that for, for that, I've actually done a lot of resource mapping for individual universities to see what they even offer. Right. Um, and then there's also a, a mindfulness library. So really actionable techniques that students can use at any moment, like it can be 3 a.m. on a Monday, you could be super stressed before your midterm. And so everything from meditations to multimedia for you to enhance your mental health literacy. So that's, I think that's something that you're kind of onto these days. And yeah. I'm really excited to connect about that. Uh, and then under my physical health, I'm really getting into depth here, but the physical health has got everything from live stream classes, on-demand classes, and camp and basically classes that are happening in the community and on campus. So it's really the sort of holistic portal where students don't have to be sifting through fragmented information on the web. They don't have to be, you know, already sometimes we're in a distressed situation trying to find out what we need, what's accessible to us. And so this is what, that one place that brings it all together and creates those clear pathways to care. Right. And it's connected to the universities. And so that's obviously has to be integrated with particular schools. Yes. So we're working on a per university basis. Absolutely needs to be localized to the campus community. And so every campus has a different context and there's different nuances. So working individually with the schools is really important to even understand what the services and the resources are that are available to students. Right. You know, you're talking about being in the entrepreneurial space, particularly in using technology that are available right now to help better mental health resources and access to resources for students. And my immediate reaction is being in the school system for so long and speaking to a lot of universities and high schools on both the, ma the micro level of the particular and the macro level of the systemic, that they're just simply behind. They don't they don't have the manpower and resources and uh, access that, they, that the, ma the mainstream world is, is starting to get access to. So high schools, uh, at least where I am, I'm starting to try and build mental health, preventative mental health, because that's really where it's at. So my reaction is, why are you going through the universities, which are, which are moving so slowly, when there's, especially in the tech startup space, where you could sort of create it yourself and, and sort of get students in? has that been a factor at all in your in your thinking i think we've understood absolutely that the schools are moving slowly and it's a highly bureaucratic system 
I mean, I think also what we're creating has spun out of us being frustrated <laughs> with recommendations not passing, to be honest with you. And so we've brought it to universities because we're working with student unions and they're kind of our key partners who understand the issues. So just the nature of that relationship brings us to localizing per university. And so for that to be made possible, we are working with student unions. Otherwise, right. we wouldn't want to charge university students across um, Canada. And it makes sense exactly. to start on, an, on the one hand to understand that even though it's moving slowly, it's going to be moving. And therefore, mm -hmm. for companies like Wellness World to come in and to try and help move the needle, even if it's on a smaller scale, slower by starting with one university, perhaps that can create momentum to other universities to invest a little bit more in their mental health through their own institutions and through the student unions. Absolutely. And it's certainly a time where student unions specifically are understanding the gravity of the issues. There's an extreme amount of frustration as to what is happening, rather what action isn't taking place. And so we have good connections with these student unions just from like that pure understanding of the issue. And so with that being said, it's also really nice because we can have the student unions from a top-down approach, promote this to students, really make it home base, make Wellness World home base for all social and wellness needs. So there's a lot of ways we could go about yeah. it. It sounds amazing. And I hope that this year particularly, it, it has a good pilot beginning. Like this is a big opportunity. And just looking back, let's say at the beginning of your university experience to now, what got you sort of moving in this direction of campus mental health and making sure that it's more accessible? Oh boy, a lot of things. So I think that hearing so many stories from students, hearing the sort of narratives on campus of how students didn't even want to approach the mental health system because they had heard so many sad stories about it and ineffective stories about it. What kind of stories? So everything from the kind of long wait times of students not hearing back from weeks or missing a phone call to schedule an appointment and then never receiving a call back or coming to the university searching for support and then being told after the first assessment that this university can't support you and not being provided with adequate referrals or I'm thinking you know um I think that one is actually a big one that happens. I think something that I noticed was I had so many friends asking me for, they knew that I was passionate about the space and they'd ask Eve, like, where should I go? And I went actually one time to the counseling services at my university asking, what can I recommend to my friends in the time that they can't make it to the counseling office or you know they don't want to yet or whatever it may be. Is there a list of resources? Is there, do we have a centralized list? online and someone said Eve you know what unfortunately like we don't have a directory of wellness support I thought that was absurd I was like like it, it is how absurd. is that not a thing I like, can tell you Eve that because I, I graduated and I'm connecting with the universities and putting myself on these referral lists that they have which even at my own school where which was at OISE we had a referral list but it, we, we were careful to say this is just a disclaimer this is not completely vetted and not to say that they didn't do a good job finding people it's just that there's a worry of responsibility of who they send out who they recommend within their system mm -hmm. but it is very strange I, I find it very strange mm -hmm. 
for sure. And I think just, I want to make a comment about, you were talking about the micro and macro level issues. And so we need to absolutely understand that mental health is underfunded from, yes, that's on the university level, but from a high provincial, federal. And so this is something that just trickles down. And I think I see so many students frustrated and I can, I so understand it. And being in the mental health policy and programming space at the universe, at my university specifically, I also understand administration's point of view and like the kind of limited resources they're dealing with, the many affairs that they have to attend to. And of course, mental health is like, uh, needs to be a super high priority. But I do understand even from the finance stand of view, the resource, the staffing standpoint, it is difficult. And there's a lot of constraints. And I think students also you know, they're frustrated in general. And so it's, they might not always see that side of it. It exists though. And I think um, we just need to work together. I think even on higher levels, like you're saying, those macro levels to be able to improve. And I guess I just want to understand from your, from yourself, everybody sort of gets into things for particular reasons. Why mental health? Other than what other people have told you about their experiences, are there any other motivations for you particularly to be spending your time doing things like this? Definitely from seeing people with lived experience in my own family and friend circles when it comes to substance use, depression, um, serious mental illnesses. So that definitely has been a personal motivating factor and a difficult one to deal with on, on a personal level being someone who is you know, affected indirectly. So that's definitely one of my very personal motivations that keeps me going. And I think that central why is just wanting to people to feel good about themselves, feel self-aware, and for them to feel like they have the resilience to do anything they want in their life. And that's, you know, that's, I think, a really big, it's like, it's definitely something that I want even for myself and, and I want for everyone. And I just got really interested working at those couple startups, just seeing the impact that technology can have to scale accessibility. And so that's just, it's just really been this like snowball effect. And again and again, there's this reinforcement, I think, of students affirming like, yes, this is an issue or like, yes, this would help or bring to light new stories again and again. And it's kind of the cyclical, like there's, there's always this momentum to mental health. And it will always be relevant. And it's a space that I plan on being in for a very long time. Amazing. And I really hope that we do get to that place in society where we don't just rely on our, probably the great education from our parents and from our friends and from our teachers and from literature and from books and et cetera. But we really try and formalize and universalize these experiences and say, hey, just like in other fields, there's a lot of great research that has helped us learn how to deal with mental health, and it should be accessible to society. So it sounds like you're doing something in some small way to help make that happen, and that's amazing. So we're going to, of course, link, link up with Wellness World and get that information going. And thank you for sharing a little bit about how you spend your time and what's meaningful for you. So talk to us a little bit about what brings you in from the change talk dimension of this episode? I'm really excited to share this because I, again, like I said, I think it was going to keep me accountable. That's I, the hope. Yeah, I want to document more of my reflections. And that's sort of two part. I think firstly, I need to reflect. So I need to give myself 
the time, the stillness and choose to reflect. And the second part is that I need to actually write it down. So whether it be journaling or I don't know, taking a voice memo, I want to capture it in some form and save it. That's you want to I'm capture to. what's going on in your mind, some of your world at a given moment in time. Yeah, I think more than anything, it's just such a healthy exercise for me to distill my thoughts. I think a lot of my time, like a lot of the time, my head just feels like mush. I've been telling all my friends, like, I just feel like my head is exploding. There's, you know, in this day and age, like so much saturation on social media and networks, everything. There's just like, it's moving so fast. And I feel, I always say like, I feel like my head is moving three different directions, a hundred miles an hour. And so I just want to not feel like that sometimes. It's all over the place. Yeah. What does that look like? Like if you were to take your brain and show us on a video, what would that look like? Ooh, an abstract painting spinning and just flying colors and webs and who knows. Some connections, hopefully some connections. Some loose connections, but chaos and speed Yeah. and all sorts of stuff is going on. Yeah, and, for sure. And so it's just... It's just, and that goes on and that continues and then that continues. And somehow you want to create a, a painting that's sort of clear from every day, kind of? Yeah, I think for sure. Or even if we imagine this painting, be able to recognize the colors and recognize the shapes. I think at the, I'd like to, at the end of the day, muster the energy and actually make a choice other than scrolling through my phone and, mm. and doing last minute things on on the screen i want to the scrolling is the, more is more of the the painting everywhere in the speed right like yeah and it's like you scroll but also you're taking in so much information as opposed to already thinking about the information you have in your head and sifting through it you're not dumping out you're taking more more in exactly and already i think uh, in the role that I'm in, and I'm sure you're in, and so many of us are in, it's just we are constantly processing so much information. And that's great um, because there's a lot to learn about the world. I also think that there's a need for me to, these days, especially look inwards because I'm consuming so much. Like, I really want to still draw attention to it and make some meaning of it. Um, I think that, I think that. It's hard. Some, I'm definitely searching for some mental clarity in my life these days. What, what kind of mental clarity are you looking for? So I think it's two part as well. I think it's sort of this clear head, this sort of state of calmness. But the second part is also being able to communicate, communicate sorry, what it is that I'm thinking. Because it's one thing to feel calm, but it's also another thing to be able to know how you're feeling in the moment and why you're feeling such a way. Because I think even if I can make peace with a way that I'm feeling, whether it be good or bad, it's really important to also understand where it stems from and how it's come about. And sometimes that second part, because I haven't done enough reflecting, that's what's lacking. And that's what I want to work on. Right. So from what I understand about what you're saying, there's sort of a, a painting that's a little bit chaotic and it, there's, it's moving and it's, it's speeding through and there's lots going on and you want to be able to, and, and if we sort of abst- unabstract or clarify, what's the word for de-abstract? Um, I don't, I don't know. You can make that word, sure. Yeah, I'm going to say de-abstracticize. Um, and my wife will say, you make up words all the time, whatever. It's to understand I would like something. To- 
Yeah, or distill. I like that word. Distill. distill. Right, because what's happening for you, and you, you, you already did that a little bit. You said it's not just a painting. It's thoughts and feelings that are racing around and aren't necessarily clear to you why they're coming up in that way. I think there's that awareness of like, this is what it is, but also not enough time spent and not enough noting of what it is, why it's that way. Can you take us through a typical before bed routine or whatever, where you, you're having vague sense of feeling uncomfortable maybe, or emotions are coming up, thoughts are flying everywhere, and then you're going through the scroll. Like what's, tell me what's going on. What, what's happening? So say I've had a busy day. And it's been my co-founder and I working on Wellness World, um, some meetings, back and forth, lots of writing to people, hopefully catching up with friends, spending some time with family, maybe, maybe a workout. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that at the end of the day, I feel like I'm quite depleted in energy and it's easier to scroll through my phone than it is to sit down and think more and to write it down. And especially as journaling, there's a level of patience you need to have with it because I'm thinking faster than I can write. And sometimes, you know, mastering the words and how I want to describe something can also be frustrating or rather it takes patience. And if I don't have patience, whatever, it can be frustrating. I think that it's just easier to be on your phone. It's easier to take more in than it is to distill. Plus, what you've already eaten. Yeah. And I think it's just part habit and part comfort. And I already see in my own, like when I was listening to your podcast, when I listen to podcasts or videos in general, it's at usually at least 1.25 or one and a half the speed because I'm just trying to take it all in, all in, all in. And so it's become so habitual and just... So it's the more familiar and more. way of doing things. Yeah. So this is moving at one speed. And I, I've noticed when I start listening to people at 1.5 speed, then when I go back to the normal speed, I can't stand listening to them. So do I sound yeah. different to you now? <laughs> like, is this annoying? Do you, want, do you want to speed this up a little bit? No, no, no. This, this is healthy. This is part of the exercise, okay? <laughs> okay. So yes, you're, you're practicing just through the conversation, moving at one speed. Yeah. And I think I actually, that's why I enjoy speaking to people, connecting with friends. And I always say that I think that dialogue is a really healthy form of reflection for me when you sit down and have a good conversation, because when somebody asks you something or they, you know, they want to know an update on your life, you have to choose how you're going to phrase it. And it forces you in that moment to say, what the hell have I been up to? Or like, how do I want to express this? So I think that's why, that's why I love dialogue with friends and then people I trust because it's journaling yeah it's, it's just deliberate thinking, oral journaling yeah. deliberate deliberate speaking deliberate reflection exactly but it's with but I want to do that for myself yeah right. but I want to do that for myself and also be the one who guides my own questions right so it's not just what's going to come up in the spur of a conversation with somebody else it's let me think about, not only let me reflect, but let me think about what I want to be thinking about. <laughs> exactly. Let me reflect on what I actually want to be reflecting about. And I think both is, are so important, like that external prompt where friends ask you things that, you know, you'll leave the conversation saying, oh, like I, I thought something new about myself where I feel a sense of growth because I was challenged with this question. 
And it's also really important for internally for me to say, where do I want to guide my growth? And what is it that I want to tap deeper into? And that in itself also takes some work. Sure. And, and I, I, I know that I'm speaking from my own experience of my journaling history and not journaling, et cetera. And I notice it, it's kind of similar to whether people are trying to take up a meditative practice of some kind. There's just this vague sense that we should be doing that or that it would be great if we did. But I never, not never, but I didn't always have a sense of why I want, really wanted to be doing it. So for you, you know, you're talking about wanting to sort of clarify and maybe make more order to the picture and maybe slow it down and take less, take less in. But why is that important for you? What do you feel like you're missing that you're not doing that? What's happening? I think that it will give me a greater sense of myself and I can feel more sure about myself. I also don't like when, I don't like when people ask me a question about myself and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, and it's okay to not know many things I think in life. Like I think we know so little actually, but I think when it comes to myself, I'd like to understand my direction, preferences, even in the moment how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling a certain way. It's a natural thing and human beings, Yes, I'm doing this again, and everybody knows this, Who, the few people that are listening, that Cal Newport, every time I reference him about digital minimalism and having solitude, and solitude being defined not by being alone, but by being alone in your own thoughts. And when I say thoughts, not scattered thoughts, but using your, your consciousness and your brain to, to think through the world, to think through things, have, having deliberate thinking. And this is a natural human capability. This is something that we have done forever. We've never constantly been getting input from other minds. Today is, the f is a mass experiment that we're all taking part in, which is to not have input, which is to have continual input from other minds from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep. But the human being's natural ability is to sort of decompress and let things out and know what to take in and what to take out. And maybe it's not as tangible as, as it seems. It's just, you want to go back to being human. Like you want to go back to reflecting a little bit before you go to sleep. Exactly. And I love the word you use decompress. I think it's exactly that. And I think decompressing through reflecting and then capturing those thoughts will actually add a huge level of even intentionality into what I choose to do next and or in my conversations and more gratitude ultimately too, because I'm not just taking it all in and not letting myself absorb it and distill it, but as, a, like, as opposed to being able to sit in it, ruminate a little bit, choose what I want to do with now what I, my recent reflections and all that. We're getting pretty abstract here, but I think yeah, I love no, that it's, you say decom decompress. It's exactly yeah. that. I don't know if it's abstract because we're, people don't know where the, where the time's going. Like, if you don't journal and you're working all day and you're seeing people and you're having a time, but there's no journal, there's no imprint, I can't tell you what I've, I don't really know what I've been, what my days have been like from one to the other. There's no sense of, of today was this day where I did this thing and, you know, I don't have that self-reflectiveness. So it just, I don't know. I don't remember five days ago. I have no recollection of why there was a, what was different about that day. I mean, 
I'm, I'm being a little exaggerating, but do you know what I'm saying? Like totally. And I think reflecting makes your experiences real or the same way that journaling. Yeah. And journaling, putting that into words or doing a voice memo, whatever it is, like that makes it real as well. And I love that you say also leaving an imprint. Absolutely. And so for the short term, it's healthy because I think you can have, you're just more aware and you can be more intentional even with your experiences. But on a long-term basis, I would like to be able to look back at my journal years from now and notice my evolved thought patterns. Or I was, I was thinking about this podcast last night and what I was going to say. And so I was actually looking through my journal and I really liked some of the things that I had said in my journey. Like it was almost motivating for me. Like there was, I said a few things that I'm like, wow, like my values are still the same. Or like, then there's also like, oh, I don't care about this anymore. And just to be able to transport myself back to, especially when I write down like where exactly I was when I was journaling this, like I'm just teleported to that space. And it again makes me feel like I know myself on a deeper level. So I think that I want to have many, many journals in the fe- and to look back at in the future. But I need to write them. I need to write down those thoughts and I need to make it a habit. It's a raw human desire. It's twofold. And I, and I have to, again, I don't mean to plug my own stuff, but I, I don't think I've spoken about this too much that I actually interview people mostly in the post-retirement age. And I interview them about their life stories and their values. And I create audio albums. So after the interview, I sort of do audio editing and a person will get an album, let's say of 30 tracks, which will be, their life stories and values. And there's two part, there's a two part purpose. First, that human beings want to record, capture who they are at a certain moment in time. We did this, we've done this forever. We've done, you know, what is the word hieroglyphics, drawings, journals, books. These are all ways that we, it's, it's natural in our DNA. That's why people have children. People want to continue their voice in the world. And that's a very natural human desire. And not only that, when you do that, you clarify who you are. So that's sort of what the two-fold process that I've been doing. And I started doing it with younger people uh, as well. And my goal is to interview people at critical moments in their life. Let's say they've graduated high school or university. Where are you? What's going on? What's going on in your head right now? How are you feeling about it? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? What do you want to remember in a year or two from now? Just having an imprint having proof that you're alive and today we have technology that does that more than we've ever had before. That's another, that's a way that we can absolutely leverage tech yeah. to engage in this sort of therapeutic process. I think you would describe it as I think. Right. Exactly. And so I that's have a question, actually yeah. I have a question for you. I want to yeah. know. So what are the greatest challenges that you think both, elder people as well as youth have in describing what it, where they want to be and, and in these journaling and recording sessions? What are the biggest challenges that people have in expressing? From my experience, the biggest challenge, and that's the problem I've been trying to solve, is two things. The first is that people do not do things when they're not prompted for the most part. So a person is very right. Eve is pointing at herself. It's very hard to, to, to have the discipline to write. It's a difficult, laborious process. 
and most people aren't yet tapping into voice recording themselves. And we're going to, I'm giving a plug to otter.ai because otter.ai is a transcription program that I use where it captures my voice in live time and transcribes it in incredible precision. So I actually audio diary. That's another discussion. Most people do not do that. So the first thing is that it's, it's I don't want to say laziness, but it's fearful. It's scary because you have to confront yourself. You have to decide, do I have something meaningful to say? Why do people care? Who's going to listen? Which leads to the second point, which is there is a qualitative, qualitatively different experience when a person hears, when a person is in conversation with somebody else, when they're sort of sitting at the campfire telling their story. When I'm listening to someone's story, the experience of the storyteller is completely different. Somebody cares. Somebody's asking. Somebody wants to know. Somebody's guiding. And so you have both motivation and inaccessibility and also who's to listen. And that's where the interview has really been really, has been really interesting because it captures both of those things. Um, but thank you so much know, for I asking I'm sorry. I'm trying to make this a conversation because I feel yeah. like there's so much I can learn from you. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that you're asking me. You're the first person to ask a question back. So that's cool. I, I do appreciate that. Um, but I'm still going to try my best to say, okay, I'm going to get back to Eve here. So Eve is trying to okay. engage in this process in some way of self-reflection and overcoming some of the barriers. What's been some of the reasons why it's been really easy to not start to do that? We talked about how it's so easy to scroll through the phone, right? We it's talked, the phone. Like I talked about it's it's the phone. It's also just being tired at the end of the day and not accounting for save a tiny bit of energy before you go to bed to journal. It's I think the phone. yeah, I think the phone, the phone, and you know why the phone's bad too. The phone is like in the morning. On very rare occasions, I try and put my phone on airplane modes in the night, so when I wake up, I don't anything and I'm not tempted to you know look at my email whatever it is but usually I wake up and I check my emails and my texts right away right after I press the snooze button five times and so it's the same way that I but it's the same way that I start my day but I end my day and I shouldn't it shouldn't be like that so your, so your why, ritual before why? bed and in the waking up is is let's get out of myself let's not be with Eve let's be with the world I hate that you say a ritual, but because it makes it sound like that's what it is. But I, yeah, it's, it's concerning that I start and end my day on my phone, I think. Right. And the, but the phone is a mechanism, right? So what is, and, it, and again, it's so interesting because this is just coming up all the time, almost every episode. It's the phone is a tool of distraction for a lot of people. What is the distraction? You know, when, the, when it's coming up, it's time, maybe in the morning, you're like, I'm going to journal tonight. What's, what's really getting in the way? It's the phone. But what if the phone wasn't there? What would be coming up? Or what, you, what, are you, what are you sort of worried that would be coming up that you don't want to experience? So you go to the phone. I don't know what I'm worried about if I do turn to my phone. I don't know how to answer that question exactly. I think the reason, though, why I start and end my day with my phone likely stems from in the morning first thing got to be productive and so already i have this narrative of like go 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 and so how else to do that then like pull up your phone see what's up see what's happening let's get going but this other thing is at the end of the day there's a level of gratification like 
it's sort of, it's, I think it's productivity and gratification at the same time. So the productivity is I want to get my day started. I want to go right away and getting on my phone the first thing in the morning is the way that I get, that I don't waste a minute of the day. That makes me sound like I am really productive, but I, yeah, like I, I think it's like right away, like check your emails, like let's get going. Um, let's see what other, but it's bad. Like let's, let's see what other people are up to, like wake up, here we go. Right. And then in the evening time, it's when you say it's gratifying, what's sort of gratifying to sort of completely shut off kind of, or just like, I deserved it today. I should just be able to scroll. Like I had a great day kind of thing. It's more so even that smooth scroll of like, oh yeah, like let's look at these pretty pictures on Instagram. Like my explore has lots of vacation pics, like cool outfits, quotes, uh, yeah, that algorithm knows me pretty well. It's fun. Um, it is fun. And like, see what my friends have done in the day. And like, I wouldn't say there's a really a level of comparison there. It's more so just like a curiosity. Oh, let's see what other people have done. Again, consuming information about other people's lives as opposed to what have I done today? But you like, but you're enjoying it. You know, you. you get to look at beautiful, I like, you know, the tiny houses. I don't know, it's just cool. Like, you yeah, exactly. Great pictures, beautiful places to go, especially, you know, that most people aren't going anywhere. So it's like daydreaming. Yeah. I want to daydream. I deserve to daydream. Exactly. It's a tool to daydream. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, but what is my worry? Like, why? Yeah, I'm wondering if I didn't check my phone right away, which on occasion I don't. I think I have this, I have the five minute journal. And it's funny because I can, it's easier for me to journal in the morning when there's this, I'm not thinking about anything right from when I wake up. Yeah. So the evening, so the the morning, you kind of do it sometimes. Sometimes. Right. It's all about how's the day going to be great? How am I going to have that productivity? How, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a new day. That's kind of exciting. And then at the end of the day is not how you create a new day amazingly, how you add more productivity how you get the day to be even, you know, how the next day becomes epic. It's actually taking time away from the future and, and sort of saying, oh, what actually went well today? Doesn't sound that, as productive. It, yeah. And I want to I go on vacation. I want to check out vacation photos and just, I deserve it. I don't want to think about my day at the end of the day. I don't want to like, why would I do that? And I think there's a level of mental energy that it takes as well, right? Yeah, it's self. You have to reflect on your day. Yeah. And what if you didn't have a? What if you didn't do good things that day? What if you were like not not a good, not a good Eve that day? See, maybe that's part of it, Noah. Because I think every day I feel like I could have done more. Every day I'm like, oh, I could have been more productive, or I could have been more present. I could have done something different and something to have made my day better. And maybe that's what I don't want to face. I think, I think I've, yeah, that could totally be it. Because your brain is automatically going to how things could have been better. That's not fun. Like imagine externalizing that every night you had someone just tell you, oh, you didn't, you know, you, you could have done this. To, like, that's just an annoying voice. It's, it's going on vacation mm-hmm. and online or it's listening to how you could have been better. I don't think that's an equal uh, opportunity. I don't think the other one is very fun for you. Exactly. I guess it's not because there's like, I have a sort of already critical approach. Right. 
And I think critique is healthy, right? For improvement, absolutely. For sure. A lens of gratitude is more important, I think. It, it's, you want to go forward. The big thing getting in the way is it feels productive and useful to reflect on how the day can be better in the future and much more difficult to reflect on the day that passed and what may have went wrong. But not only that, just having to reflect on the past can feel like a waste of time. A lot of energy spent. A lot and of investment energy. Of time. I think though it's, it's so, it's so important though. Like in this, in this state right now, I'm like, how can I not think and learn from the past? Because that's what actually can guide me to improvements in the future. So it's sure. like right now in the state, I'm like, absolutely like objectively, it's like so important to do that. But at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, like, where's the energy? It's I might same. as well just focus. Let's focus on the future. And I think I am a pretty future oriented person, hopeful but a lot person. to do with, yeah, hopeful person. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm definitely like quite optimistic and, and seeing like where things can go. I'm a big visionary as well. So it just makes sense for me to be looking forward. With that being said, I think um, there's always a need to practice also presence and in the past as well. Right. So, so far we sort of gathered that you really want to be able to, of course, bring in more self-reflection. But at the moment, there's a lot more of a pull towards that gratification, sort of lightness, enjoying. Yeah, definitely light. And I think, yeah. um, I think it's a contrast to my day-to-day goal-oriented go 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 self and so especially my co-founder Liv Han and I we are always on the ball things are always moving and just like we have a lot of milestones to reach there's quite a bit of pressure externally for what we need to achieve and so it's this lovely contrast doing what you're doing before bed is a representation of shutting off work exactly right and I only will spend a couple more minutes on that. Anything else coming up as to sort of why you continue to do this that keeps Eve really wanting to not reflect at the end of the day? Give me one second. Reflect. You're reflecting. (laughs) (laughs) Because I put off journaling. When I do journal, I feel like there's so much I need to dump out. And so that already feels like such a commitment. You're behind. It's Exactly. It's like cramming for the exam and, and forget it. Like, you know, just give me exactly an extension, that. an I infinite extension. <laughs> and it's so funny because I, in my journal, you can see, I usually start off with, sorry, it's been so long or, oh, I've been meaning to do this forever or, oh, I did it again. Like, it's just so funny because I'm always from sorry, the Sorry, I've been neglecting you for so long. Exactly. And that's how it starts off every time. So that's already a pattern in itself. And you don't want to, it's just easier not even to approach it because to approach it is you have to apologize and then you have to catch up and you're really behind. And part of your identity is, is strongly tied to being reflective and thoughtful and, you know, mental health positive and aware and emotionally intelligent. And when you do do the reflection, sometimes you don't live up to that standard, um, that muscle. Exactly. Can, and, that's, yeah. and that's my ego creeping up. That's mm-hmm. the evident discomfort I'm feeling there and then my ego takes over and maybe it's like I don't even want to face it on my own right so then why why bother why why do you want to do this why do you want to start to self-reflect a little bit more than you have been 
I think reflecting and capturing my reflections will make me a better person because I will actually have more self-awareness and I will understand myself better. That actual act of, again, asking myself questions, distilling my thoughts, all that. But also, again, this is looking forward is I would like to eventually be able to read through my journals, look through, look back into my life and see the evolution. I think it's something that my future self will thank me for. Mm. I think it'll be something that I will be really grateful for in the future. Right now, I don't necessarily feel the need to journal because I'm not going back and searching for my old journals and all that. I think I'm... Because you're um, young and you're looking yeah, forward, yeah. right? Exactly. Right. I think there will be a time though where I'm going to really want to remember. And I think another thing is I want to capture in a sense memories and mindsets that I held because so often, I, like I just realized there's so much that happens in a day, in a week, in a year. And I don't always remember the details, but it's so funny how a journal or an image or something will teleport me back and will remind me that, oh, this was real. Otherwise, I don't think if I don't document it, I don't know if I'll remember it at all. And that worries me. Yeah, it's And I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you something interesting, though. I think one of my greatest fears in life is losing my memory. Hmm. I'm really worried about that. Um, And that's one of my, like, very um, horrific fears I have is either when I'm young, forgetting everything, or when I'm old and not remembering stories. And I've seen family members um, suffer from dementia. And I've seen, you you see those movies where people, you know, experience accidents and and cannot remember the past five years of their life or all of their life. And I'm getting really kind of hopefully not too dark here, but I do think that's one of my greatest fears. And so, again, that's just another reason why I should be doing this to challenge my fears. And it's funny that I don't, if it is one of my greatest fears, it's a preventive measure for that. Yeah, People, you're bringing up so many human feelings and and so much human, human going up, wanting to transcend our transcend ourselves, wanting to make an imprint in the life that we're living, wanting to remember who we are, why we are wanting to see how we've grown over time, wanting to, to know that our memories are in some way lasting, wanting to know that we will have memories you know, there's just so many human needs that are coming out about the need that you that you have to reflect. And maybe it's also taking you beyond the pleasure pain principle. Human beings seek meaning. And what would it be like to all of a sudden for the next three months have 90 days of journaling? What would that look like? Not on the pleasure, pleasure and pain principle, because I'm sure you'll have a lot of ple- pleasure in that and maybe some pain. Um, but beyond the pleasure pain, what would it look, what would it be like to look into that and be like, whoa, I just did 90 days of journaling. I imagine that it would mean my life would be more mindful and I would be more mindful. Which are values of yours that are really important. Absolutely. I think also it will bring up more gratitude in my life because I'll be reflecting on the day's happenings and I'm sure I will bring up things that I'm grateful for. Things that maybe 
I don't, you know, I maybe feel grateful for during the day, but don't really emphasize it. Indulge and di- in it. And digest soak it. in it. Ruminate. Yeah. And ex- right. you feel that gratitude. That, that would be amazing. You, you know, it would be very meaningful f- for you to be able to do that. And you have, all, you have so many things going for you in the positive. Anything else is coming up um, that, are, that would just be, it's immediately sticking out saying, yeah, this is why I got to do this. I would like to think that if I journal more, I will actually have better dialogue with people I love and trust and family and friends. I think that I'll be able to contribute more to conversations because I'll have already gone through and sifted through some of my own thoughts. And I think it's important because I see in my own friends when they do a lot of growth and then share it with me or they're reflecting and they share it with me, it prompts something for myself. So I think if I can do that in turn, I think I might actually be a more valuable person to others and maybe be able to prompt something maybe for someone else just as, and I say that because I've experienced that on the flip side. So it's going to bring you closer to the people you love because you'll have sort of worked out some of the things you've been thinking about. And not only you're in the sense that your self-reflectiveness can sort of move into and inspire them, but also that you'll just be more thought out, more thoughtful, more, um, attuned to, to, to other people. You will be clearer. You will have, and, and even just not carrying around that subtle frustration that you don't do it and, and maybe living with more integrity um, For sure. might make you feel more useful and loving to, to the people in your life. I actually love that you say, first you said attuned to the people around you. And I think absolutely reflecting and capturing those reflections will make me more attuned to others. I mean, because I'm more attuned to myself. And you mentioned one other thing, integrity. Oh my goodness. My two core values I consider are integrity and love. And so absolutely, it'll bring me closer to integrity because I'll be more attuned. And and so you're tapping into two core values, which then just makes you feel that you're living a more meaningful life. 100%. That's it. And so I'm wondering as you start to sort of conceptualize this, what comes to mind uh, that can represent for you one small step that's tangible and real, consistent and regular that you can truly start to do in the area of being more self-reflective? If I present myself with the task of journaling every day, I think I need to do it in a format that's going to be really challenge as challenge free as possible and so i think just making it clear to myself that it doesn't have to be pages on end it can be every day write a few lines Mm. and so i need to just yeah a few lines just change my mentality to it doesn't need to be dumping everything all my thoughts from all this time but just a daily practice write down the most key things i want to express and i had a time actually a few lines you did this before I've done this before on sticky notes. I think Uh there's actually a difference between a small sticky note where you can only fit so much in it versus a huge chunk of paper and pages and pages of it. And so I think maybe I should try with sticky notes and then maybe I can put it into my journal. Literally just that physical 
mm. representation of, you know, you don't have to fill up the whole page and then, right. or feel guilty if you don't fill the whole page and just give myself again, that sticky that will force me to distill my thoughts into that space, into a small space. And not you don't want to feel the pressure of writing too much. Exactly. And so sticky notes come up, but then, but, but the thing with sticky notes is that then you have to put it into another form, as you were saying, because it'd be really hard to sort of capture yeah. sticky notes. So it yeah, sounds and- like, how can you get the sticky note benefit without doing the two-step process of sticky noting and then kind of writing it or organizing it? We're getting into the technicalities here. I love yes. it. How am I actually going to do this? Yes, that's Ooh. the goal. Are you open to any um, suggestions on, on my end? Please. So some people really want to use pen and paper. Um, so I wanted to get, you. are you like that? I do, yeah. Okay, so, so then that's, that's the, because I was just going to say, you know, you put a timer on for a minute and however much you write is what, is what you write. Like, so you don't determine it mm. by the amount, but you just determine it by the time. Because sometimes it might take you like five minutes to write one sentence um, or like five minutes with like many sentences. So I'm just wondering, maybe you just put a timer that says like, I'm in this right now. This is what I'm doing. This is the time. doesn't matter how, long, how much I get through. It matters that I put three minutes a day to, to reflect. I like that. I hadn't thought about that before at all. That'll be something for me to try out. Yeah. And see like- what I feel better about. Right. So you can try maybe writing a few sentences or you can try just putting a timer on and seeing how much you write a really manageable time, amount of time, like three minutes, um, something like that. So either way, it's either you're going to write a few sentences or you're going to write for a few minutes or like something like that. Mm -hmm. And what about with prompts? What about with prompts? Um, Just just in case, you know, you get there and you're doing it and then you're like, oh, I don't know what to write about. Are there like certain prompts that you want to have that can really help you just make sure you do it in a meaningful way? I think the one asking about what I'm grateful for is always just a key go-to. Do you have any suggestions on some prompts that I could note down? Um, You know, in in the Jewish tradition, there is quite a bit of, it's called cheshbon hanefesh, so it's accounting for your soul. And people mostly do it before bed. They kind of review the day. Um, sometimes I mentally just go through the day and note things. Um, just, just even just the process of going through the day is kind of like a memory bank. Um, but, but I think what you're onto with the gratitude is a huge, is a huge thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's because it's really positive and you want to have that positivity. And at the same time, maybe it's like, I'm grateful for three things. And there's one thing I want to improve. So the ratio is much more positive, but then you're also checking off that box of accounting for yourself and saying like, how could I have been better? Not to torment yourself, not to make yourself feel constantly inadequate, but to know that it's meaningful to improve yourself. My wife and I actually, and we, we stopped doing this and maybe I have to have a change talk about it. We did, we made up something called what's in the bag, which would be like, I'm not even going to remember what it stands for, but basically something amazing that happened in the day, something that we wanted to do better in some way, something we're grateful for and something we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So many different things like this. But the, like the essence of what you want to do is that you want to reflect a little bit. Absolutely. And I right. like that you kind of prompted me in this 
chat to say what would happen in 90 days. How would that feel in 90 days if I journaled every evening or whatever it may be? So I'm curious to know, starting now, where I'll be in 90 days. Right. Some of these reflections that I've had about, about reflecting. Well, you've been the, out of all the people we've had on, uh, you have had the most pauses. You have really been in a microcosmic way reflecting in live time based on the prompts that I've sort of shared with you to make, to make yourself think. You haven't acted rashly at all. You've really been thinking things through a lot. So that was cool for, to, to see in, in live time. It's awesome. Thanks. That's also something I'm just learning in terms of communicating better. It's, it's worth it to take a moment after somebody asks you a question and not rush to just say something just to answer a question. That's something I'm learning and I'm embracing more of these days. Right. So, so at the end of this, when it's all said and done, I always like to leave somebody with a, a sum up. So if you had to sum up this entire conversation in an, Im in an image, or a mantra or an affirmation for yourself, what would that be? I think it would be reflect for yourself today and for yourself tomorrow. And by that, I mean, it's something that I can do for, for my present self, but also that my future and higher self will thank me for. And that I think gets me, I think that there's a motivating factor for me there. Right. Because even if you don't want to do it today, yourself tomorrow would want you have had to have done it the today that was now yesterday. Precisely. And yeah. that's what you want to remember. Reflect for today, reflect for tomorrow. Okay. That sounds awesome. And I hope, first of all, Eve, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about some part of your life that you wanted to improve. I can imagine that there's a lot of people listening that have the similar ideas about how they want to improve their lives. And we always hope that your change talk can in some small way inspire other people's change talks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Noah, for having me. This has been way more in depth than I anticipated. And I will have to do some reflecting after this. In fact, you, you can I really journal about it later. Exactly. And you've offered me so many incredible pr prompts just through this conversation. So I appreciate it. And I'm really grateful for this experience in itself. So I'm curious. We'll definitely have to check back in about yes. this. Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs> <laughs>